Hey, Secrets of Success listeners, Deanna here. Thank you all so much for joining us. Well, today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. See, NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Now, how many of you can use some additional information so you can make smarter decisions with your money? It's okay. I'll be the first to raise my hand. Because the nerds have helped me get smarter about things like saving on travel. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night, maybe a a small shopping spree or a fancy dinner or two. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Also, boosting my credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code, seriously, like a real-life cheat code, and then saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It just loves a good plot twist. So listen to Merrick Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite change and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix. A Master Plan for Black Group Economics with Wealth Creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr. Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity This isn't just a book, it's a movement, a call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear, drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey 
Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix, today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me here today. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Mr. Mr. Tony, you haven't you do something actually that's actually amazing for all business owners and entrepreneurs. So if you don't mind letting our audience know who you are and what it is that you do. Absolutely. Uh so yes, my name is uh Tony Guarnacha and I've been in marketing for, gosh, over well over 20 years at this point. And what I do is I help businesses dramatically increase their revenue and reduce their cost per sale and cost per lead by making them more effective. Uh, and, and usually that's done by making them um, uh, able to leverage what they already have, the resources they have, so they can better grow. All right. So as entrepreneurs, as those who are going into business for yourself, those who are parallelpreneurs, we, you see we have the perfect guest on for you today. So I hope you are taking notes and you are ready to get all of this amazing information. So, Mr. Tony, before we get started, what, what got you into marketing and helping businesses? No, that's a great question. So I grew up in small business. Uh, my parents had a small Italian bakery, and they were wonderful bakers. Unfortunately, they didn't know what they didn't know about growing a small business. And at the age of 12, that business failed, and we lost literally everything. We lost the house, the car, uh, so much to the extent that we had to move into my oldest sister's basement. And so that was a really trying period. Uh, we lived there for probably a year or so until we rebounded, and then later on, I went to college and studied entrepreneurship so I could essentially go back and, and make a success out of uh, running a business. And so that's exactly what I did. After I graduated college, I started another bakery with my parents. Uh, this time, it was one of the first online bakeries in, in the country. And we were able to take a cake and put a photo on it and mail it across the country anywhere in the world. And with that new technology, the combination of the photos, the cake and the the, able, the ability to ship it, we won best new product at the New York Incentive Show. And so what was really yeah. great about that is it really got us on the map. We were able to mail cakes uh, to Jennifer Lopez, to Jay-Z, and even had big corporate clients where we would send uh, cakes to Microsoft, IBM, Sony, a whole bunch of amazing companies. But unfortunately, I learned, like my parents, that I didn't know well, I didn't know, and, and that, even though we had tremendous success, PR, accolades, awards, et cetera, uh, that business failed. And so when I was 28, I was newly married, uh, had a baby on the way, that business was gone, and I found myself in a similar situation to where I was before, 
and uh, had to move into my other sister's basement. And so I had a really challenging time. I was kind of reflecting. I said to myself, I said, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but who does? And that start, that's what started me on the journey to work with some of the best companies in the world. So I spent over a decade in the corporate world working with Ford and ADP and Google and all these amazing companies. And then I took that with the whole mission to kind of go back to small businesses and share what I learned so that they, you know, those small businesses wouldn't have the same fate that I found myself in. Wow. Now, okay, so I'm a lover of baked goods, so it made me really excited when you said that. I'm like, ooh, baked. (laughs) I tell people all the time, living is my first passion, food is my second. (laughs) Nice. So with everything that you've learned from watching your parents having to, to go from on the top to living in your sister's basement, you going to school because that 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 triggered something in you. You're like, okay, I want to make sure this doesn't happen again. You went to school, learned it, came back with everything you learned, helped your your parents build the business back up to where it's extremely profitable, and then it failed again, and you were yeah. and you were back where you were. Yeah. What did it take for you to? What did it take for you to say, oh, okay? I'm going to start this business at like after you, after you said, okay, what are other businesses doing? What encouraged you to start your own business instead of going and actually sitting in an office and saying, okay, I'm going to work for this company. Yeah. I think it's something that's drawn within all of us. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, it's something that you can't really walk away from. I think it's inherent. Uh, but I think I learned lessons I I'd missed before. And, and really probably the main thing I learned was better isn't, isn't good enough. So, you know, what I did uh, compared to what my parents did the first time around was better. You know, we did a lot better. We had celebrities. We had, you know, all these great clients, but still wasn't good enough. And so I learned I had to do something different. And that was kind of what I learned Mm -hmm. from working with some of these great companies. They approached growth and business in a totally different way than the majority of small businesses, which, by the way, it's no wonder that 70% of small businesses fail within 10 years because they just don't have the same – process and, and systems and, and mindset that a lot of the very successful fast growing companies do. I agree with you 100%. And I also realized after researching other businesses myself, like Netflix and um, Instagram, that it's also, you have to understand within yourself that what you think isn't always what it is. So what was, what, what is, what is one of the things that you can recommend to our the business owners because seventy percent don't survive past the first ten years? What can you recommend to them as far as their mindset and how they need to think when it comes to making sure their business is successful and surviving indifferent? Yes, that's a great question as well. And so I'll take you back to a story I learned from my mother of all things, and it's actually the the name of my book that I have coming out. It's my book is called Small Steps to Grow Profits. And where that name came from was my mother. And so my mother survived another pandemic, essentially. So back in the late 30s, all the way through, even today it's a problem, uh, there was a polio epidemic. And so unfortunately, in the late 1930s, my mother contracted polio at the age of just nine months and was unable to walk until she was 14 years old. And so I asked her, I said, how – how were you able to live through that and survive it and, and ultimately have success to the point where you were able to 
wear high heels as, as a young woman and is still able to walk today. Even though she's in her 80s, she can still walk today. Well, a lot of people that never even had polio can't walk. So I said, kind of right. what, was the, what was the secret of how you're able to live through that and, and really have success? And that's when she shared with me that the secret to accomplishing really anything, whether it's in life or in business, is to break things down into small steps. And that was really the inspiration behind a lot of the success I've had over the years. And so what happened to her was they, you know, they taught her when she was first trying to learn how to walk, they taught her, you know, how to increase her motor skills. And so, of course, at that time she was a child, so what did they do? They had her working with pottery to build up her nervous system. Eventually she was in a pool growing strength there. And then to the point where she was, you know, starting to walk you know, literally between two poles going step by step. And so what I discovered is what brought her success is very similar to what works with the best companies, best athletes, literally anyone that wants to accomplish anything. And that is you have to take small steps, but it's not just taking the small steps. There's really three ingredients for that to work properly. The first thing is to know what steps to take. The second one is to know how to take those steps. And then the third part is to actually take the steps, to take action. And usually where most small businesses fail is in one of those three areas. A lot of the times they, they have the idea of how to do things, they, so they'll learn how do I do a podcast, how do I do SEO, how do I do Facebook, but they're missing the fundamental first step, which is what to do. And so what to do is really looking at how are you going to grow specifically, what's your goals, what's your plan. And in the corporate world, they call that strategic planning. And so – I remember, remember saying, you know, doing planning at the Fortune 500 level, and there would be, you know, a dozen people in the room. There would be, uh, you know, spreadsheets that are 30 tabs long, months of planning, uh, and they're looking at every scenario. Here's what we're going to do if this happens. Here's what we're going to do, you know, X, if X, Y, Z happens. And so it's all these scenarios and really thinking it through. The majority of businesses, on the other hand, what they do is they spend more time playing a birthday, playing a wedding plan a vacation, then they actually do planning and strategizing how they're going to grow their business. And not many times is where the failure lies. Wow. You're so right. (laughs) You're so very, very right. And there's something that you said that I would like to ask you if you can elaborate on. First, you said said that there, when you, when Big companies have strategic planning sessions. When big uh, companies have strategic planning sessions, there's like 12 people in the room, and they're all, okay, let's do this on this end, do this on that. Yeah. And you yeah, there's, have, there's, yeah, there's, oh, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. Really, no, I was just uh, – I wasn't sure what your question was, but, yes, it's absolutely true. There's a dozen people in there, that, you know, people from different disciplines, different strengths you know, all giving some feedback so that we can make good decisions. So my question is to you, when it comes to those those solopreneurs, those who are just by themselves, how do they make sure, like, because with 12 different people, you have 12 different personality types, 12 different mindsets, 12 different 12 different sets of skills. For those who are, like, entrepreneurs just starting out, they're by themselves. How do how are they able to take those twelve personalities with their one? Because we can't do it with just our mind alone. There's different personalities and skill sets that we don't we don't have at these times. 
what 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 information or what advice would you give someone who is a solopreneur by themselves and working it out, you know, by themselves to help them work through that process until they get those twelve those dozen people in a room and able to able to to do a strategic planning session? Yeah, no, I lo- I absolutely love that question because that, in fact, is kind of my mission. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm, I, I believe I'm put on this planet to do. And so to answer your question, uh, really the good news is there's only six factors to look at. So uh, when I created my framework, the results loop, I tried to solve exactly that problem because most businesses don't plan. And, and you know, I asked myself that question, why don't they plan? Well, sometimes they don't have the resources, which is what you mentioned. Sometimes they don't know how. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's overwhelming. They don't have the time. Or sometimes they're just afraid to fail. And once they have that down on paper and they don't hit that number, they might conceive of themselves as failing. And so that was really the central problem I, I tried to solve, in, and I discussed that in my book. And really the, the, the point of it is to take what the best companies do and bring it to small businesses. And I thought to myself, I need to make this simple, easy to understand, and easy to execute. And so that's why after, you know, basically 20 years of doing this, I I distilled it down to just six things. So there's really just six things to focus on, and you can apply those six things to grow any business in any circumstance. And those are what I call results factors. And so I'm happy to go kind of through what those are and explain if if that's of, of help. Yes, please do. Please feel free. Absolutely. So the first one is your markets. So the first step to go through this results loop is to understand what markets are you going to serve and and be as specific as possible. And so when you look at your markets, you want to understand, you know, what are their pain points, what are the problems, uh, you know, where are they located. uh. In Wondery's newest series, Secret Sauce, Hosts John Fry and Sam Donner explore the stories and successes behind some of the most inspiring businesses, creative innovators, and intrepid entrepreneurs. First up, we're diving into the company that revolutionized how we vacation, travel, and even how we trust other people. We're talking about Airbnb. In 2008, Airbed and Breakfast launched at SXSW, South by Southwest, with high hopes of becoming an alternative to overbooked hotels. But... They ended up with just two people booking a stay, and one of them was a co-founder of the company. How did Airbnb persevere through adversity to become a company that would forever change the way we think about travel? What was their magic, their secret sauce, that made them such an unlikely success story? And what lessons can we learn from them? You're about to hear a preview of Secret Sauce while you're listening. Subscribe to Secret Sauce on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or listen early and ad-free in the Wondery app. Join Wondery Plus to listen to Secret Sauce one week early and ad-free in the Wondery app. Download the Wondery app in your Apple or Google Play mobile app store today. Hey, John. Hey, Sam. What's the difference between Airbnb and Hitmonk? Is this like a knock-knock joke? Yeah. I mean, I've never heard of Hitmonk, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. All right, well, I will tell you what we're doing here. Both of these companies are travel startups. 
But the one you have heard of, Airbnb, is currently valued at over $100 billion. Like with a B. With a B. So wouldn't you love to know what Airbnb has that other companies don't? Yeah, you got my attention. <laughs> well, it all begins in March of 2008, and the streets of downtown Austin are packed. Austin is the live music capital of the South, and it lives by its own rules. But today, it's even more hopping than usual because it's the annual South by Southwest Festival. Musicians push through crowds of fans, trying not to hit passerbys with their guitars. Walking down the busy street, you can feel the excitement and anticipation. But no one's waited as eagerly for South by as Brian Chesky and Joe Jebbia. Brian and Joe are roommates in San Francisco who look pretty much like all the other millennials in the crowd. <laughs> Yeah, I'm picturing Wayfair sunglasses, Tom shoes, and rock t-shirts. Yeah, but Brian and Joe aren't here to go to the music panels. They're here to launch a business. Just a few weeks earlier, the two had a brilliant idea for a startup. And with the help of an engineer friend, they put together their website in just a few months. They're calling it airbedandbreakfast.com. The idea is for people to rent out an airbed in a person's house, just like you might rent a room in a hotel. They think of it as a solution for travelers who want to find housing for sold out conferences. Man, I don't think I've ever slept on an air mattress that's lasted through the whole night. It always just slowly deflates until you just wake up on your back with some serious pain. Well, yeah, it's a bold idea for 2008. I mean, who'd let a total stranger come stay in their house? Wasn't couchsurfing.com around then? Yeah, good point. But it was targeted at a younger demo, you know, like college students, and it was free. Brian and Joe think everyone in the world would love to rent out a spare room in their home, you know, to make a little extra cash. But this grand vision has to start somewhere, and they figure South By is the perfect place. I mean, it makes sense. It's a young crowd with early adopter potential, like, I believe that Twitter blew up in South By in 2007, Foursquare launched there, and people like Tim Ferriss, Kevin Rose, they all got their start at South By too. So I have a feeling like they could do really well here. That's what Brian and Joe think too. They pretty much spent every waking moment of the weeks leading up to South By working on their website, where with a couple clicks, a person could be matched up with an Austin host and an air mattress. And then they show up in Austin and kick back and wait for the bookings to roll in. And they wait and they wait, and they wait, but nothing happens. Oh boy. Yeah, only two people sign up, and one of those two people is Brian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, that's really rough, but the thing is, as, as devastating as it feels, and it feels devastating, they are actually one step closer on the compass of being exactly on the right degree that they need to be going down in their path. I love that metaphor. I'm imagining them like going off on like a sailor boat into the unknown, which really is what entrepreneurship is all about, exactly. diving into the unknown. But regardless, it's a tragic scene. Brian returns to his host house dejected. This was supposed to be their big launch. And instead, it's a big embarrassment. Even more embarrassing, Brian forgot to bring cash with him to Austin. Now he has to convince his host that this whole thing isn't a scam. He starts to think maybe airbedandbreakfast.com isn't such a great idea after all. Yeah, if your launch is just two takers, you and the host, not a great sign. Even Brian's friends think it's a dumb idea. 
What no one sees at this moment is that this dumb idea has the potential to become a $100 billion company that will forever change the way we live and travel. But for that to happen, Chesky and Jebya will need to overcome skeptic investors, disgruntled guests, copycats, and not just one, but multiple global crises. They'll have to rely on the kindness of strangers and on their own ability to adapt to the most challenging problems. So what is that magic, that secret sauce that made Airbnb such a massive and unlikely success? Uh, you know, what problems that, that you can solve specifically and, or what things can you help them achieve? I mean, at the end of the day, people either want to avoid some problem or achieve some accomplishment, some goal. And so that's the first step is to look at your markets. The second step is to look at your products and services, which I call offerings. So your offerings should marry to the products and services. And a lot of people might say, well, that's obvious or, you know, I know what products and services I have. You know, one of the things I learned working, I had before I started my training and consulting company, I I had a marketing agency, which I still have today. And what I learned in that marketing agency is most businesses, in fact, are not, especially startups, are not ready to grow because they haven't really Mm -hmm. defined their markets. But surprisingly, they haven't even defined their products and services. And so when you work with the best companies, they really define their products down to every, every single aspect. So a lot of service companies, if you ask them what they do, they'll say, oh, I create videos or I create websites without really productizing, like defining the specific products and steps you have to take to make it. And so because of that reason, a lot of people don't know if they're profitable. They can't really uh, replicate what they're doing, things, you know, doing uh, consistently, and they ultimately can't scale, so they get, they get stuck. Uh, but from a marketing standpoint, if you can't um, identify exactly what you do, it's very hard to sell it. It's much more difficult. And so a lot of people, especially when they're starting out, they try to serve everybody. And ultimately, when you serve everybody, you're serving nobody, which makes it actually harder to sell than if you really took a lot of time to, to spell it out. And so that's factor number two, which is your products and services or your offerings. Factor number three is kind of the magic that marries your products and your services to your markets. And this is your value proposition, your value. So you want to understand why would someone choose you as opposed to anyone else or, God forbid, do nothing. And so your products and services marry your, your, to your uh, markets based on your values, so, which is how, how much of a difference do you make in their lives? How do you take them from where they are today to where they want to be? The bigger that gap, the bigger the, the value add, and henceforth, the more you can charge for those products and services. So that's your value. And then the other three I can go through quickly, and we can go into more detail after. Uh, factor number four is how, how you get new buyers. Factor number five is how you increase the value of those buyers, otherwise known as lifetime value. And factor number six is how do you drive loyalty, meaning getting those folks to come back and buy from you again and again and provide you with referrals. Okay. Now, those last three are, are extremely important because that lifetime value creates lifetime customers. And those referrals, if you have a lifetime customer, they will send as many people as they can your way. But it's all created, you know, like you said, when you create that lifetime value. Yeah. Yes, those are, I mean, part of the secret to how these big companies grow 
is those last two areas. So another mistake I find a lot of small businesses make is they focus on just getting new buyers when they're better off maximizing the value of their existing buyers. And that means giving them more products and services, giving them better support, et cetera, so that every time they buy, you know, they're spending more time with you and they're buying more frequently. So it's really the amount they're spending and the frequency. Those are really key drivers. And you can see this in, in a lot of times, I mean, as an example, a simple example is just look at fast food restaurants, you know, or, or coffee like Starbucks, right? So they have different levels of, of products and services. You can get the grande, you can get the venti, you know, which is big, mm-hmm. so you pay more. But then they have loyalty built right into their, their app because they incense you with, you know, um, basically credits or points to buy more coffee. And so they've really thought through how that works. I mean, they're not doing so much with referral systems, probably because they have so much saturation in the market. But a lot of, you know, small businesses will do loyalty programs, and then they'll have a referral component to it. So those are really magical things that once you get buyer, you want to squeeze as much value out of that that buyer as possible. And you do that by providing value. So value is exchanged. So you want to give them more value than they're, than um, than you're receiving because that's what makes it a no-brainer for them. But but none, nonetheless, you want to try to extract as much value and revenue from that that um, buyer uh, prof, you know profitably as you possibly can. Well, I I love that you use Starbucks as an example, especially when it comes to their app and and everything because those trying to get that gold star. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, it, it it drives the consumer to be like, man, I really want this gold star because once I get this gold star, I get to get this. Or once I get the gold the the gold card, I get to do that. And um, as you can see, I, I love my Starbucks coffee. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's bakery and, it's, it's and, and uh, coffee. I think we might have a lot in common. <laughs> right? <laughs> really, really do because. When you add that value, when you when you and it's not just the value that they add when it comes to when it comes to the 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 app and and the referral programs and things like that and the gifts that they offer, but even when you actually interact with them, interact with them as well, you know it's it's you they give that off that energy of man, I want to come back to the Starbucks. I can come here and work. I can come here and eat and work. Like it's really a one stop shop for me, so I don't have to. If this is my home office, you know, because I'm an entrepreneur or thriving entrepreneur, or even just a student that's studying for a test, this is the perfect place for me. You know, so how when it comes to entrepreneurs, you know. I'm, and I'm listening to you said the value that you add to them is that it's a value for value. You add value to them, they give value to you. How important is it at, for small businesses to focus on that the the second sale and not the first sale? Because like you said, we're always focused on getting that first sale, but we never thought, think about the second sale and the third sale and the fourth sale. So when we first go into presenting a product and service, how important is it for us to focus on the second and third sale instead of just the first sale? Yeah, it's incredibly important. And the reason why is if you look at any kind of um, – I mean, I've been fortunate to be in the acquisition space as well. So I, I've literally been involved with a $400 million acquisition. Uh, but one of the things that any kind of venture capitalist or any kind of funding uh, company will look at is the ratio between your lifetime value, which is what we're we're just talking about now, essentially the profitability mm-hmm. of your 
your customers, your patients, your, your buyers over time relative to your cost per acquisition. So how much money does it cost to get that first-time buyer? And a lot of times, you know, you'll lose money on that first buyer. So it's not a good strategy to just go after the new buyers because that ratio is going to be not, it's not going to be in your favor. So you're better <laughs> off focusing on how do I increase that lifetime value? And you mentioned a couple of great areas. Like one of the things that I'm focusing on, even, you know, during this pandemic is building a community because community really helps your loyalty. And that's something that mm-hmm. Starbucks did an amazing job at. That's why people want to go there and, and meet people. Uh, they've really focused. If you look at their early marketing, a lot of it was based around the community notion. And so that's one way that any of us can build community. You know, reaching out to past clients and getting them to come back again, you know, uh, offering them special um, promotions during this time, and really just trying to figure out how you can be helpful. Those are all ways you can increase that lifetime value. But the lifetime value is really, uh, you know, I can't um, understate how important that really is. Awesome. Thank you for stressing that because even, even when I started my when I started my first business, I was so focused on getting the first seller. I had a, a music artist manager firm, so it was getting the getting the artist on stage for the first time, not focusing on the second, the third, <laughs> the fourth. So yeah. it's so even then and, and because of that it, it it was it was hard on me, you know, especially when it, my business I built my business on commission, which was my first mistake. <laughs> so Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But a lot of the savvy so companies, they will build what's called a recurring revenue model. So all the companies mm-hmm. I work in now have a recurring recurring component. And so I learned this when I was at ADP. ADP, of course, is a Fortune 300 company that is well-known for um, most of our paychecks. <laughs> a lot of times when we have paychecks, it says <laughs> ADP on it. So uh, right. that's a payroll company. And so there's, you know, one of the biggest in the, in the globe, global company. And they, uh, everything they do is recurring revenue. And so what's recurring revenue? Revenue is when you get paid really on a subscription basis. And you look at the most successful companies, that's what they're doing now. Netflix, you get paid recurring. You know, you, any Apple's got more and more recurring products. You look at any, you know, uh, Walt Disney is doing that now. It's why they went into that, that space. And thank goodness they did because, you know, their products are closed. So they're diversifying. But anytime you get money coming in, and a good example is web designers. So I see this all the time with web designers. So they'll build a website, make maybe $3,000, and call it a day. The savvy mm-hmm. ones instead will charge $300 a month and do it indefinitely. There's a great example of lifetime value because in that first year, You've already made more money than the three thousand, as an example. You know, you've made thirty six hundred, but the magic is that happens year after year, as long as they're with you. And so, this happens all the time. So, any way you can think, how do I create a recurring model within my business? It's probably one of the smartest moves you could possibly make. All right, I really hope, ladies and gentlemen, you are taking notes. Recurring revenue model is extremely important, especially. And there's something you mentioned you were referring to, like into with what's going on in today with the current um, global epidemic. As regardless of what there, it's it's a global epidemic. What what is the one thing small businesses should do during any type of crisis that they currently are not doing? 
Yeah, so the most important thing is, and you hear this probably all the time, but cash is king. And so you want to really preserve your, your cash flow. And so the really easy way to think about it. I am determined to be rich. The middle class is not for me. I need news that cares about me. And not news that's going to scare me or make me mad at another people. I need news without politics. And I want news that will point me to the money. This is the news where it happens. The moments that change the world. These are the stories we need. The info that we care about. We only give you news that puts money in your pocket. And the news that gives us an advantage. This is the work that continues. Who we are today. And what we can become. Tomorrow. That's it. This is where news without agendas can lead us. Your wealth matters. This is why more perspectives make us stronger and how our mission can inspire tomorrow this is journalism that helps the world we live in this is Mexit news in terms of of money and how you manage it in a business it's really just two metrics the first one is how much is coming in uh which is really your revenue but more importantly your profit and the second component is when is that money coming in otherwise known as your cash flow. So it's really how much and when. And so what I did when this pandemic hit, the first thing I did was I looked at how do I cut my expenses? And so I went through my credit card statements and said, okay, what can I cut? What am I not using? You know, there's a bunch of subscriptions I didn't use anymore. I went through and said, what can I negotiate at a lower rate? So maybe I can buy something in bulk and get a discount. So for instance, I had QuickBooks where I manage it and it's like, you know, it was like 20 bucks a month or something. I called and said, Hey, what if I just pay for the whole thing up front? And you know, I got like 20% off or something. And so that's a no brainer on the flip side. I called my web hosting company. I asked them, you know, due to COVID, is there any kind of discount you're offering? Sure enough, they were 50% off, believe it or not, 50% off for, for wow. two months. I saved, you know, the 300 bucks there. And then I called other vendors and I said, Hey, look at can I delay paying you money? You know, cash flow is tight. Can I get a lower rate? Anyway, you know, you just go through. So that's kind of preserving your profitability. So making it more profitable, number one. And number two, looking at how much is going out. Now, the flip side, of course, is how much is coming in. And so the general premise is you want to delay payments out, obviously, right? And you want to expedite. You want to speed up the, the money's coming in. And so right. – on that route, I called and looked at any past due clients, saw, you know, asked them if they could pay on time, you know, emphasized the importance of that, uh, went through my past clients and said, hey, are any of them interested in coming back with me? Looking at past prospects and then looking also at my recurring revenue and my uh, opportunities to grow lifetime value. So I went through and said, you know, I'm doing this for, for you now. Is there a possibility to do Y? And I'm doing X, can I do Y to increase that lifetime value? So it's really looking at, you know, again, very simple. How much is coming in and when is it coming in and when is it going out? Now, there was something, the very first thing that you said when you said cut expenses, I promise you nobody, no entrepreneur thinks about cutting expenses. They always think about, because they're so focused on that first sale, they never think about cutting expenses. So thank you for bringing yeah. that up because no 
we don't think, you know, entrepreneurs don't think to call the their service providers and be like, hey, do you think due to this, can we do this? I don't even think that's a thought that crosses their mind. So, so thank you so much for putting that sure. into the awareness of our audience. And then, you know, how much is going out? You know, we we start businesses. We we're focusing on getting this program and that program and this program and that program. Never once really paying attention to okay, well maybe with this program, you know, I can do this with this program, or even reaching like you said, reaching back out and extending extending that lifetime value to a, a current customer, asking, well, hey, I'm currently doing this. You know, I can do this for you as well. We never think about these things. So thank you very much for bringing that to the awareness of our audience. Absolutely. And then the other thing they should be thinking about, which kind of goes back, if if you look back to the results factors and the results loop, you can actually apply this framework to any situation. But in this situation, how do you pivot? And so what you might want to think about is factor number one, markets. Is there a different market you should serve? So if your market is, is not busy right now, is there a market that is? You know, so because I'm a big believer, there's always opportunity, no matter what the circumstances are. So you may be hurting personally, your business may be down, and the businesses around you might be suffering. But more than likely, there's probably a business that's doing well. So just, you know, I'm sure healthcare is doing pretty well right now, medical supplies, right? So is there an opportunity to go into that or, or offer a different product or service? So factor number two, offerings. Is there a way to offer a different product, maybe a, a cheaper version of the product? That's more affordable. Or here's a radical idea. How about a higher end product? Because people that have money probably still have money, right? So can you go <laughs> higher end? So you can always shift. And that's why a framework is very helpful because you can go through the framework and kind of make a checklist and say, okay, here's, is this, am I in the right spot for where the market is today? Can I move? Do I have to change? Do I have, you know, again, that wonderful word pivot, you know, it's kind of used too much, right. but in the circumstance like now, it's a, it's a great thing to think about. So for businesses that don't think about pivoting when any type of crisis occurs, how drastic will that affect their businesses? Yeah. I mean, if you don't, I mean, there's a great book. Uh, called Who Moved My Cheese and it talks about change, right? <laughs> and so if you aren't adapting, you know, a lot of times it's true, adapt or die. I mean, I remember this when Google was taking off. I was very fortunate to kind of be, you know, at the very precipice of that amazing growth and, and rode that whole wave. Um, but, I mean, there were still newspapers that were just clinging to the past. And we know where the newspapers are today. I mean, for the most part, not doing too great. Some of the big, big ones are doing great. Some of the regional ones are doing well, the local town newspapers. But for the most part, that whole industry got wiped out. You know, the classifieds got wiped out. The car, you know, listings got wiped out. Uh, the help wanted, all these things got wiped out, and yet they were clinging to the past. And so you, you have to adapt to different scenarios because the world's changing. You may not be wanting to change, but everything else is changing around you. And so it's really you have to adapt or you're not going to survive in the, in the future. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I've working with Antonio and working with with businesses and just how he has coached and trained me. If I would not have pivot, I would have been that very business. I would have died out a long time ago because just just like with newspapers and in movie rentals and things like that, 
the music industry has shifted as well. So if I would not have pivoted my company, I would have been just like all of the other dying companies. So ladies and gentlemen, please take heed, make notes, put it in your mind. Pivoting is not going against your company. Pivoting is actually saving you and who you are, especially with how the world is shifting. So I hope you are taking notes of what Mr. Tony is saying and really just paying attention to what is going on around you. So thank you. Yeah, thank also, you. Absolutely. No, I'm happy to share that. But I also think, you know, taking a step back and understanding what business are you in. So, for instance, hmm. are, are these airlines in the airline business or are they in the transportation business? You know, it's a different way of thinking. I mean, look at Elon Musk with Tesla. I mean, is he really in the automotive business or is he in transportation business? You know, is he is he maybe even a computer company, right? You know, because you can download updates for the, the vehicles. And so examining what your business is, a lot of times you want to think broader than what you're specifically doing and go back to what I mentioned at the very beginning when, when we were talking about value. What value are you solving? That's a better question uh, to answer, then what product are you giving? So go back to the basics and say, okay, what problem am I serving? Because that's going to lead you down the right path. Otherwise, you know, you're very, you're not, you may not be serving the customers in the correct way, and, and you might become, you know, a dinosaur. Right. Exactly. So thank you very much for bringing that to the awareness of our audience. Now, Mr. Tony, I would like to shift the conversation a little bit here. You have a mission, yes. and the name of your mission is uh, Democratize Marketing. Can you share with us what that is and why is your mission to democratize, democratize marketing relevant right now? Yeah, that's a great question. It's very relevant to kind of what we've already been talking about, but my mission is really to reach a million businesses and help them really understand how to truly grow a company and because the stakes mm-hmm. have never been higher. You know, businesses are really mm-hmm. suffering. You know, uh, chambers of commerce, which I work very closely with, are, are really suffering. And so I think it's important to share how the best grow so that we all have an equal opportunity to have that same, maybe not level of success, but same success. And so mm-hmm. the world has changed. And kind of what you were talking about before about adapting, there, there's something known as the marketing revolution. And so what the marketing revolution is, is really kind of looking at this change that's happening in marketing. So years ago, speaking of the newspapers, you could place an ad in the newspaper, and boom, you got some business. It was much simpler back then. Same things got a little bit more complicated. You had broadcast media like radio and TV. You still had a chance. You could get your message out there and get some business. Then all of a sudden, the Internet comes around, and it's so complicated, you need a directory. You need Yahoo to to manage this, to, to even find the website you're looking for. That, of course, was not scalable. It was not able to adapt. And so all of a sudden you had search engines coming around to the point mm-hmm. where you had you know, the sophistication of Google. Then all of a sudden there's another shift. You have social media. You know, you, people are creating their own content. So there's even more mm-hmm. content out there than ever before. And now today you're competing for people's attention, not just with your direct competitors, but you're competing with the best media in the world. So you're competing for attention from Disney and from Netflix, and from YouTube, these best-of-breed brands. And so what does all this mean? Well, it really comes down to three challenges that most businesses face. I say most businesses because this is not just a small business problem. This is a problem I've literally sat in rooms with, you know, Fortune 500 CMOs, you know, 100 of them, and they're all, we're all in the same boat. 
You know, maybe they have a bigger boat and more stable, but we're all on the same boat. And that's really the three fundamental challenges. One, fragmentation. There's so many places you have to be today. It's a real challenge to be everywhere. Secondly, clutter. How do you stand out once you actually are in that particular channel, that media that works for you? And then three, even if you can get through the fragmentation and the clutter, how do you have the technical capacity to actually implement what you envision? You know, whether it's code on a website, tracking pixels, all these things become very complicated. And so my whole mission to get back to democratized marketing is to share the best practices of how all these things actually work so that every business actually has a fighting chance. Wow. Thank you. Um, sure. Mr. Tony, I, you have an extreme passion for this. I can hear it in, when you're talking and, and I'm, I'm grateful that you joined us today because it takes someone passionate to actually change the lives of others. So I yeah. it, it and and I know that's completely off off subject, but I just I hear it in your tone like he's extremely passionate about this, and I'm I'm grateful to be speaking with someone who's passionate about this because if people really look at the numbers, if they don't understand how to, if they don't under like like you you told us earlier, you said it's the what steps to take, how to do it, and then actually taking the steps, and we're all in the how to, but not the what steps to take. And so to hear someone else with the passion that you have for helping businesses, I'm grateful to be able to speak with you because there's so many people out there with so many dreams. They just don't, they they just jump into it, but they don't really think like it's, it's going from that, that employee mindset to that entrepreneur mindset. It's like, yeah, you're an employee. Yeah, you understand it, but do you actually understand what they what they go through upstairs? Like, do you know these processes? Do you know the steps? You know how to do what it is that you know how to do, but do you know right. what steps you need to take to get it done? So I just wanted to point that out and say thank you so much for what it is that you are doing for small businesses because it. it there's especially with the current uh, current pandemic that's going on. There's so many people who are now really sitting and pivoting their lives because they're like, "What if this happens again? What am I going yeah. to do then? You know, is it should I go back into this or should I take to should I take a chance on myself and do this this thing that I've been so passionate about? And so I'm I'm grateful. Like I said before, I'm grateful that you are passionate about what it is that you're doing and that you are speaking with our audience and that I had the opportunity to interview today. So thank you again for joining us. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. It's my pleasure. It's my, my mission to really share these principles so that, like I said, it's not it's not to uh, make a fortune. It's really to make a difference in people's lives. The impact is really what right. gets me up in the morning every day because, you know, every every life matters. And every every business matters. You know, every any difference I can make in someone's life, it's well worth it. I don't care if there's three people on the podcast. I'm going to do it because I want to reach as many people as I possibly can. <laughs> you sounded like Antonio. You said that he said I don't care if they have one person following them. That's one diff- That's one person. One more person that I didn't reach before. <laughs> right. Now Absolutely. you are uh, you. Re- so you were telling us about your book. When does your book come out? And if you can give us some more details so our audience can know where to go find it when it when you do release it or where they can go to pre-order it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the book is coming out in October, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, what I've done 
uh, is something that you can even take an action action on immediately is I took some of the best parts of the book out and I put it in a manifesto. So a manifesto is really just kind of a statement to the world of what I see as the truth. I love it or hate it. <laughs> you know, some might <laughs> be controversial, but it's, it's a lot of things we talked about here today and what I've seen, you know, firsthand the best companies do. And so if anyone's interested in getting those excerpts for the book completely free, I don't even have it behind a form because I just want people to get this information. It's not about getting your, your email address or anything like that. It's really just to distribute this. You can get that by going to the website, smallstepmanifesto.com. You go to that website, you can download the 30-page uh, mini book and, and, and have examples of these results loops I talked about, the growth factors, and my story, my mother's story, a lot of things we talked about today, you can read in more detail. Awesome. So, ladies and gentlemen, it will be in the show notes so you can be able to go and get that manifesto for yourself so you can definitely take advantage of Mr. Tony's education and what he is teaching you. So, thank you so much. And then you have something coming up called the Results Club. Can you let our audience know about that? Yes, absolutely. So I'm really excited about that. So one of the things I discovered over the years uh, when I was growing my, my different companies, I always <laughs> would get stuck somewhere. I was like, wow, I just I wish I could call someone and get the answer to this problem I'm dealing with like right now. <laughs> like who knows how to do this? Can I call a friend? Can I feel? And so what I decided to do was create that. And so the results club is where anyone can go in weekly and ask questions for me. I can I can give a lot of expertise and strategy and sales and marketing and all those kinds of things we talked about today. But I'm also going to have guest experts, so top lawyers in in local um, legal issues, you know, HR uh, representatives. Basically, any question you might have in growing a small business, I want to have this resource there where you can learn uh, and, and ask questions from literally the best people in the industry. And so. What I'm doing is I'm having the results club. It's it's going to be $97 a month, uh, so anyone can get those questions answered. But for your audience, what I'm doing, again, just to share my knowledge, is I'm giving it for a, just a dollar for the first two months. So I really want people to kind of get in the community. And I mentioned before the importance of building a community. I'm practicing what I'm preaching. So I'm trying to build a community where I can really impact others' lives. Thank you. You just said a key phrase practice what I'm teaching. Thank you for that. Because I've also noticed a lot of businesses, they say so much and they say so much, but then when you actually go to them, it's like, you're teaching me this, but I want to be seen this way anywhere in your community. So what's really going on here? So thank you. Thank you very much for that. I'm I'm definitely grateful for that. And that information will also be in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen, so you can take advantage of that as well. Yeah, I'll have a special so, code there that's just for oh, your audience. Please. You can just put the, the code into the website. It'll give you a special coupon. Uh, so, you know, don't distribute it. It's just for your, your group because, uh, you know, I don't <laughs> want to be overwhelmed with this. But I'll, right. I'll give you a special, a special code that you can put on your, your um, show notes, and that way anyone can take advantage if they're interested. Awesome. Thank you so much. So, Mr. Tony, I have another question for you. For sure. businesses, uh, what are some quick ways a business can turn adversity into opportunity? Well, I think 
I'm, I'm a walking example of this myself. I think the, the mm. challenges we face are meant to help others. So I think what you can do is when you face adversity, number one, don't repeat the problem, learn from it, and try to figure out how to solve it and not have it again. But really share what you've learned with others because then you can make mm-hmm. a difference in their lives, and that way they don't have to suffer that same fate. And so that's why I try to do, and that's, in fact, why I'm here today. Wow. Thank you. I, I really like <laughs> learn from your mistakes. Don't repeat them. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Right. But but you have some people out there that will take the same thing. Well, it didn't work this time, so let's just do it again. Okay, it didn't work that time, let's just do it again. It's like, no, why didn't it work? Figure out why it didn't work. Okay, let's try something different. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, and one thing you could do, one thing I mentioned, and the other reason I created the results loop that I forgot to mention before but model someone that's had success. And so what I always suggest Mm. is you take this results loop, put a competitor through it that's doing really well, and model what they're doing. Or better yet, get a mentor. Get someone that's already done what you're trying to do and model Mm -hmm. what they're doing and and have them coach you or have them mentor you. It's one of the greatest ways to grow because you're not starting from scratch and you're you're kind of standing on on their shoulders. So, you know, that's another way to not – I mean, it's – you can make mistakes and learn from it and teach others. It's better off, you know, not making a mistake in the first place and leveraging someone else's knowledge. That way you don't have to, you know, have that headache. Awesome. Thank you, Mr. Tony. Do you have any final words for our audience today? No, I, again, I would start, I mean, sometimes it's easy to get overwhelmed, but I would mm-hmm. start with just one small step. That's kind of my whole point of all this is, you know, just take action and do one thing a day. If you just do one thing a day that improves your business or your life, you're going to get to your goal and just, you know, take that small step. Awesome. Thank you very much. Now, Mr. Tony, I would like to just say thank you to your mom from the Secrets yeah. of Success family. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the manifesto and I see the pictures and I'm like, oh, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> so thank you to your mom for being your motivator, your motivating factor in the book that you wrote and being that teacher that you needed. So tell your mom, us here at the Secrets of Success podcast, say thank you to her and congratulations to her and thank you as well. Absolutely. Happy to do that. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today for the Secret to Success podcast. We're definitely looking forward to an amazing rest of this year. Please, I hope you took notes. Please uh, take advantage of the links that Mr. Tony shared with us so that way you can take advantage of making sure that your business is thriving. Thank you so much for coming out. You can plant better. You can dominate. I'm not sure if you already know this, but you're already absolutely perfect. You're already absolutely great. And you're already living in massive abundance. The most important things that you have is not what you have. It's not what you do. It's what you know. Because the people who do know what you need to know to leave the middle class, they're in the top 1%. And they control 96% of the world's income. 97% of this world is trading time for money, and that is not the way to become rich, it's not the way to become wealthy, and it is absolutely not the way to leave the middle class. 
There are 7.8 billion people in the world right now and they all want to learn how to make money and how to leave the middle class. But the way to become a master at anything is to learn all the rules and then bend them to your favor. Right now in this world, there are 2,057 billionaires, right now. So if you think becoming a billionaire is, a, is impossible, that's 2,057 people that have already proved that impossibility incorrect. And if you think that's crazy, there are 46.8 million millionaires in the world, worldwide right now. Now think about that. 46.8 million millionaires, and that number grows 1,730 millionaires every single day. Money is everywhere. You don't need to max out your credit cards. You don't need to borrow from granddad and grandma. Just look behind me. Look at all the wealth sitting behind me in this junkyard. It's insane how much money is everywhere, and you don't need to go out there and beg, bar, and steal to get it. You just need to know the rules of making money and how to leave the middle class. Essentially, all you need to know is the algorithm of making money, the rules of making money. All you need to know is what to do and how to do it, and you can leave the middle class. Any industry, yoga, golf, underwater basket weaving, clipping fingernails, it doesn't matter. All you have to do is know how to do it, how to get it done, and then find somebody to teach you how to do it, how to get it done, and you will be able to leave the middle class. If you're not getting my point, it's real simple. Whatever you have up here, as long as you understand the rules of leaving the middle class, as long as you understand how to get money, you can take what's up here and get wealthy for what you already have. Right now, the very thing you know up here is already being searched a thousand times a second on Google. Someone right now, actually 1,730 people right now, are gonna become a millionaire from the stuff that you have in your head. Why can't this be you? I mean, it's 1,730 people with your ideas that are no better than you, that are gonna leave the middle class, become a millionaire. Why are you not next? So how do we do this? How do we take what you know and apply it to objective money-making secrets and then allow you to leave the middle class? How do we take you from where you are and let you escape to where you wanna go? So how do we make all this money or take all this knowledge from the Warren Buffers, from Elon Musk, how do we take everything that everyone before you has done and how do we take all of that and then put it in your head so you can leave a legacy for your family? My name is Antonio T. Smith Jr. 32 years ago, I lived in a trash can. That's right, from six to 14, I had no running water, no electricity, no anything, and somehow I'm in the top 1% today not because I had the right background, not because I had a silver spoon in my mouth, simply because being homeless made me learn how to make money. I retired when I was 29 years old. I'm more than likely younger than you. I'm one of the top 1% income earners in one of the richest countries in the world. What I learned how to do when I was six years old was learn how to generate enough money to eat some cookies so I wouldn't die to death from starvation. From there, I learned how to go from cookies to a meal from a meal to clothes, to clothes, to shelter, to everything else that supplied my necessary needs. When I was six, I was forced to learn how to make money, and now that's what I'm gonna do and help you do.
I've seen amazing results. I have my own economy. I've homeschooled my own children. And I wrote a book that teaches you every single thing that I know about making money, every single thing that other people know about making money, and most importantly, all the stuff that we don't tell you. Because the truth is, and you know it like I know it, the most honest, the most hardworking, unselfish people on planet Earth live in the middle class. Yet, your honesty, your unselfishness, your devout religion going self is not enough to get to the top 1% and that's not fair. The second half of my life has been not about how much money I make, but how I will be remembered from all the money that I have made. And I've been trying to teach everybody how to get out the middle class. I'm the crazy guy famous on the internet for trying to create 100,000 millionaires. I've created eight so far. I got a ninth one on the way, all the way from India. That's pretty cool. And what I want to tell you is something very simple. It's been hard. It's been absolutely hard to help people leave the middle class, not because of the people, because the system would rather keep you being someone else's money instead of you having your own economy and having the money come find and flow to you. It was frustrating because I knew that anybody can make money. And if you knew what I knew, you would change your life. Over the last few years, I built a large following of over half a million people every month that pay me to actually for me to give them advice. Well, that's been exciting for me. And the cool thing is I've created thousands of six-figure earners. I've created millionaires. I've created people who can live their dreams and hold on to their legacies. And now my eyes are on you to create you to what you need to be great. I have been teaching my principles and these principles to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, every country, all continents and anyone who has taken them seriously, written them down and applied them, have a 100% success rate of leaving the middle class. I've taught these secrets to my following and my inner network and I've watched them go from four figures to five figures, five figures to six figures, seven figures all the way to eight. Everything that I've ever learned, everything I've ever learned from millionaire mentors, billionaire mentors, and everything I learned from being homeless and everything that got me into the top 1%, I have placed inside of a book. To date, it is the longest book that I've ever written, the most best book that I've ever written, and that book is called The Richest Man and the Trash Can, and I'm offering it to you today for free. This book is gonna show you how to become wealthy into the top 1% and leave the middle class. This book is gonna give you a step-by-step -step plan if you're 30 years old, all the way to 70 years old, how to get into the top 1%. If you're a teenager, how to get to the top 1%. If you're a millennial, how to get to the top 1%. It's gonna teach you how to make six figures immediately, teach you how to get to a million dollars immediately, and all that good stuff. Plus, I'm gonna give you the 36 objective laws of leaving the middle class. Plus, I'm gonna give you every last one of my secrets that have made me rich. You have to understand that leaving the middle class is the most important fight that you're gonna have in your life. And to be honest with you, and you can kind of relate to this, it almost takes $450,000 a year just to be broke in America. And that's just in America. If you don't leave the middle class, which is actually an illusion, then 
you are going to have a really hard time. Think about it for a second. Some of, most of you are going to be watching this are going to be baby boomers, and you've been sold a bad check. They lied to you. Your retirement was not enough for you to live comfortable, and I'm going to give you this book for free so you can figure out how to triple your retirement and then quadruple your retirement, and then as Grant Cardone would say, 10X your retirement so you can live the life that's worthy of you. I want you to remember that leaving the middle class is the most important battle that you could ever face in your entire life, especially for your family. So consider this video, this book, your friendly tap on the shoulder. I want to send you a free copy of this book because I believe that abundance is your birthright. I believe that abundance is freedom. And I believe that this book is right for you. In fact, I believe in that so much that I will send you the book for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. I'll eat the cost. I'll take the loss. And all you have to do is get the book and dominate your reality right now and apply the principles so you can be the best person for your life that is yours. Fill out the form sitting right there to the right. Go ahead, dominate your reality. I can't wait to send you my book. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to have you as someone that's been on the journey with me. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better. You can dominate. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world, not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions, $22 an hour, paid training, and I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True. But it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter. And that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if, the, if, it's, if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates 
up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review, and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.